Hi, and welcome to Lifehouse Church Spiritual Warfare Podcast. My name is Ben Hobson. I'm here again with David Thomas. Hi, everybody. How are you all going this week? And uh, David's just stolen his good pen from me and replaced it with my trusty broken pen. That broken, is broken pen. One of the two or three pens that he breaks. <laughs> we discussed this before. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fiddler. Anyway. A fiddler, yeah. Uh, what we're going to be discussing today is weapons platform. And we touched on this last week. We had a bit of a look at it, just touched on it. Yep. We're going to go really in depth this week. And we're going to have three examples yep. of specific weapons platforms used yep. by the enemy. Um, it's a pretty important one this week, isn't it? It is. Now, what I'm looking at doing is over the next couple of podcasts is dealing with enemy weapons platforms. Yeah. And then and then I'll switch over and then we'll, we'll, we'll cover the same ground again, like an introduction, and then we'll look at our, our weapons platforms. Is there any reason why you've chosen to do it in this order? Like we're starting off with the enemy and then we're moving to... Or is it just... Well, it's 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 a little bit of both. It's just a little bit of how it's how it's flowing from the enemy into the enemy's weapons platforms that mm. we did in last chapter. That's yeah. one reason. Yep. The other reason is I was actually thinking of like, well, let's let's lay out the enemy's weapons platform. Let's lay out our weapons platform, and then then then, then let's look at enemy weapons, and then look at our weapons, and then at the at the last point we'll look at okay, how how do how do these weapons compare? Yeah. So we go into the armory and compare weapon for weapon and what they do and what they are specifically targeted to do, to do and where they're most effective. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Um, and it's so, sort yeah. of like Pokemon. You don't want to bring out a water Pokemon against a against an earth. I can't even remember what I'm talking about. I've never played Pokemon. You've never played? Well, no. look, there's different types, right? And there's a fire Pokemon. Oh, man, I'm nerdy here, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would just walk that back no. and, and start talking about some serious warfare. Yeah, I know. But Pokemon <laughs> is. It's a very serious game. I probably insulted half the world. I there. know, you did. You did. No, look, there's fire and water Pokemon. Water Pokemon are very powerful against fire Pokemon. Yeah. The fire Pokemon aren't so good. So is that what we're looking at? How weapons are good and effective, yeah. but some aren't? You well, might want to use... If you think about it, if you go, if you take that illustration and... and, and My Pokemon take, illustration. Yeah, and, and convert it to a serious illustration. <laughs> Stargate. Uh. <laughs> uh, no, actually, if you, if you take it and you look at... Um, you, you, for example, if you look at naval strategies, like certain naval weapons platforms are specifically designed to be effective against other weapons platforms, like a, a destroyer is a weapons platform specifically designed to be effective against a submarine. Mm. You know, like you've got a you've got the you've got an aircraft carrier which is probably the most powerful warship with the most destructive yield of of, of war of, of, of weaponry and, mm. and, and range of weaponry, yet it's the weakest ship in yeah. a battle carrier group. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's the most you know, because it's size and because of it's the weakest ship, whereas like other ships can defend themselves against ship on ship or ship to submarine. The the aircraft carrier has to have other systems in place to to deal with that. Deal with those those attacks. There's another interesting point on that. My father in law, right? My father in law, his dad was one of the guys who went onto um, the beaches of Omaha, and he was one of the first people to go in on a boat that sort of dealt with the mines that yep. they've laid in the water. Yep. And so without that, the, the rest of the landing cruisers wouldn't have had any chance against yeah. landing because they would have just blown up. Yeah. So, And that's effectively what a weapons platform is. A weapons platform is a system or a structure 
on which a weapon can be placed. So a weapons platform can be anything from an aircraft carrier. So an aircraft carrier has missiles, it has bombs, it has machine guns. Um, you can have uh, the Navy, naval vessels are, are weapons platforms. Even even going down to a turret or a gun. Yep. A gun, even though it's a weapon, can be a weapons platform for other weapons. Oh, you have those guns with grenade launchers yeah. attached to the bottom and, you know, some are Snipers, auto and some are, yeah. sights and silencers and all that kind of stuff, extra magazines. I learned that from the computer game. <laughs> yeah, I know, me too. <laughs> Pokemon, see? Oh, Pokemon. So all, no. That, that, what game that we play? Call, yeah, Call of Duty. Call of Duty Call Black of Duty. Ops yeah. is what your son yeah. plays. You try to play. Ah, oh, I'm in, a... In pretty... <laughs> Fair amateur, vet, amateur, not a veteran, an amateur rookie. The problem is David can't seem to move and shoot or turn at the same time. He has to do one <laughs> of the three. So I walk yeah. forward and then there's an enemy. Oh, better stop. I have to get my gun yeah. and shoot. And you'll get there though, don't worry. Eventually, eventually. Okay, so what we did was we, we pointed out last week that uh, in, in Jude verse 11... Um, and just by the way, if you read Jude, the, 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 whole, the whole passage of Jude, and then if you can read, uh, where is it in my notes here? It's 1 or 2 Peter. Uh, You've got, go up. I got up. You've got 2 Peter there. Oh, there, 2 Peter 2. If you, if you go and sit and just meditate on, on those scriptures mm-hmm. and read them, what, what, you'll, what you'll start to identify is... Um, You'll you, be able to start to recognize the weapons platforms and the people that promote these weapons platforms or the demonic forces that promote these weapon platforms, how they manifest. Yep. So the camouflage that the weapons platform hides behind and how it manifests. And we're going to look at that pretty um, extensively probably in the two-podcast time. Cool. Or if Where, where, we, where, where we end where, up. Where, yeah, where we will look at how does a Balaam weapons platform manifest in a Christian church mm. uh, or how does a Balaam's weapons platform manifest in the New Age movement? So that's pretty important. Anyway, Jude 11, woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed into profit, uh, for profit into Balaam's era and they've been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. There's your three weapons platforms yeah. that I want to talk about. Yes. Way of Cain, deceit or error of Balaam, Korah's sin. Okay, cool. And what we're going to do is sort of paint a picture of what these weapons platforms look like, and then how they're what they're most effective against yeah. in the church. Well, that we'll, we'll 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 get to the effectiveness of the weapon platform later on when we discuss what weapons goes on it and how it camouflages ah. itself to a specific church. Okay, you know, so for example, it can camouflage itself to a liberally orientated church or a charismatic, prophetically orientated church. It will come in, mm. and it'll have a specific camouflage. And, and, and so you begin to recognize its weapons, how it manifests its character, and you'll be able to pick up what it does. And this is what we're doing here. Awesome. Identifying its basic structure, its makeup. Cool. So Way of Cain, I mean, I was preaching yesterday at, at my friend's church at Waterbrook. And I was preaching, I just touched on the subject now. And I said to them, you know, obviously... If you be, once you begin to identify the structures here, you, you can't. And, and and one of the things you'll notice is that each one of these things, you don't find the world coming in to the church pushing it in. You'll find actually this is inside the church already manifesting. Yeah. Okay. More often than not. Yeah. Okay. 
when in the New Testament times when these things came against the church, it was external coming against the church and they had to fight to hold the line. Mm. Now what is happening is a lot of these things are manifesting themselves within the church disguised as a religious spirit coming in using specific types of weapons platforms. Yeah, right. Um, Sounds pretty important. It is. To talk about, yeah. yeah. If, you, if, you, if you can recognize, like, um, the thing I want to teach the people now is, is that, that fivefold identification method. Mm. If you can begin to recognize, Satan doesn't change his his tactical layout. Mm. He, he's he's going to hit you the same over and over and over. He doesn't change it. Now, if you can begin to identify those roots, you can make um, adequate preparation to stand against him. Mm. Now, that standing against him could mean hightailing it out of the situation, tactical withdrawal. Well, that's that scripture that says flee from youthful yep, lust. Absolutely. Yep. Or, or it could mean getting in there and digging in and holding that territory. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just various mm-hmm. things there. Anyway, the way of Cain is anger against God, where you refuse to accept that your actions are wrong and that God's ways are right. In other words, you allow sin to have dominion over you. And uh, this is quite prevalent in the church. Yes, you know, it, it really is. is. Yeah. Anger against God. Yeah. I mean, I, I asked the congregation when I was preaching. At Waterbrook. At Waterbrook. Yep. You can get the sermon on Waterbrook on iTunes as well. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I said to them, how many of you here have dealt with or have heard someone get angry with God? Everyone put their hand up. Everyone, yeah. I did it the other day, if I'm being completely yeah. honest. Yeah. And, and in, in other words, it's, he, it's he, like, he set me straight, so don't worry. Yeah. Well, I, well, was, what, I was really set straight. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it. What what it means is your sin takes priority over God's authority. Yep. And you get angry with God because He's not doing what you want, or He's doing something that you don't want. Yeah. So you, you're not in control. Yeah, and so that's the way of Cain. The deceit or error of Balaam is to represent yourself as a a, a spiritual person and give advice for gain. So you wanting something in return. So that sounds like a very purposeful thing. It is. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So that can't be someone can't just sort of get gains from being deceitful, i.e. Balaam, by accident. It's something they go in with and they say, I'm going to tell this person that they're called to help me with my electrical business and then, you know, that sort of thing. Well, often, often people might not be able to realize that it is the error of Balaam, it is the doctrine of Balaam. But when when we start tearing it apart scripturally, yeah, you will see how how subtle it is and how dangerous it actually is, and and the various areas that it creeps in, and its disguises, the camouflage that it uses to creep into those areas. Yeah, right. And then obviously, core is sin. In other words, speaking against the ordinances and authority that God has placed in the church. So that's specifically to church leaders and Christ as the figurehead, that sort of thing. Yep. Right, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's just... One of the things I was... Uh, can I, well, can I yeah. just ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Where have you like just where have you got all this from? Is it just going through the Old Testament and looking at these specific people and what their, their specific sins are? Because I remember you really extrapolated on this mm-hmm. once in a Foundations course or something yeah. for us once. About, about 
oh, I don't know how many years ago, I got a hold of this material from this this chap, and and, and I actually I'll probably quote him extensively through this period of time. I I got a, I got a, about five page document I f- uh, somehow found. Yeah. Before the days of the, I think the days of the internet, you know, photocopy of a photocopy. You're of a photocopy. old. <laughs> so my son says. <laughs> we were watching a James Bond movie last night. We see what, what year was it born? 1963. Oh, I was one at that time. <laughs> and him and Stacey says, "You are so old." <laughs> <laughs> one of the Connery ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're yeah. going through them at the moment. They're great. Anyway, um, and from this, like, I've been, I've been using this as a as a research document as well as a lot of my other documents that I that I keep repeating and quoting here. And 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 from this I've started to this is like point he's pointed me into this direction. Um a few years later there was a I can't remember who preached the sermon. I don't know who it was, but it was the law the the, the, the law first mentioned. The law okay. It's, it's, it's something like that. And what they say is oftentimes you will be able to identify the beginnings, the birthings of a principle or a, a, a doctrine or that by the first time it gets mentioned in the Bible. Mm. And, 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 and you'll be able to trace a consistency where it reoccurs all the way through the Bible. And then you've got a, you, you basically got a good foundational doctrine or teaching that you can, that can rely on. That's, and this inter- is, that's yeah. it's really interesting. Isn't and this it? is this is what I've done. I've gone I've gone in, and I've looked at Balaam. I've studied him in the Old Testament. I've studied what happened to him in the Old Testament. You know, Balaam is the one with the, where the donkey spoke to. Oh, okay. You know, have you heard the story? No, no, that's All one right. I haven't. Anyway, that famous story you'll you'll read in in in, in well you get you get taught at Sunday school if you went to Sunday school. I did. I just colored Jesus in purple. I can't remember much. <laughs> then, then you read. Then you read about um, Balaam. So Balaam, Balaam's a, a person that existed at the time that the Israelites came out of Egypt. Okay. He lived in northern Mesopotamia. Well done for saying that. <laughs> First go. <laughs> and now, um, what happened was one of the kings called on Balaam because he was a prophet. Whether he, this is the thing I can't understand, whether he was a prophet of God or whether he was a false prophet, irrespective, he was a prophet and he heard and interacted with God, the God of the Bible. Mm. And in spite of interacting with the God of the Bible, he still pushed his way forward against what God had said. That's... And then God allowed him to, you know, like for example, in, 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 Numbers where it start, the story starts, where Balak, the king of the Moabites, sends for him. First, first one, um, please come, we'll give you money, come curse the people of Israel. And Balaam says, let me go and cons- consult with God. Goes and consults with God. God says, don't go with these people, don't go and curse that people, those people are blessed. And he sends them back. These guys say, well, we're going to come back with larger and more money. That's what they did. And so Balaam, instead of Balaam at that point saying, go, yeah. the second time he says, let me go and consult with God. And God says, okay, you want to go, go. Very interesting. It that. is interesting. It's very interesting that, you know, where you want to push forward your will over against God's will, what is he going to do? Yeah, is that is gonna, interesting. You know, he's going to fight back or he's just going to, that's interesting. Yeah. And, and, and eventually God wants to kill him. So you have the angel of the Lord, and we spoke about the angel of the Lord in the, in the angel broad podcasts previously yep. with the sword stood on a road 
and was going to kill him as he passed. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord. And so the donkey tried to walk his way around. And eventually Balaam's beating the life out of the donkey. And the, and the Lord opens the donkey's voice. And the donkey starts saying, why are you beating me? You know, I'm trying to save your life here. And, and what are you doing? And then he's, his eyes get opened and he sees the angel of the Lord. Wow. The Lord still allows him to go. And so what happens was he gives, he gives evil advice to Balak. And the advice he gives to Balak is, is, I can't curse these people, but send your woman in. Really? Yeah. So what does that mean, send your woman in? Well, what do you think if you send Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Immorality. Right. Immorality. What happens? A plague breaks out. That's very interesting. Amongst the Israelites. Now, children of Israel, progress after that. Go to the Jordan, send in the spies. Spies come back, 40 years in the wilderness. Come back out. Uh, I think I might be getting my story wrong. Moses, Moses' last battle. <laughs> Moses' last battle, the Lord says to him, right, go and sort out these Moabites. And they kill Balaam at that point. Then throughout the Bible in the old the, the, the prophets, you, you read about him in the prophets where they refer back to Balaam, and then you come into the New Testament and you start picking up Balaam in the New Testament. So you've got in two Peter chapter two, Jude chapter first of Jude verse eleven, and in the book of Revelation. So what is that? Mm. What is taking place here? There's a so so Something happened with regards to Balaam's systems that he put in place there with Balak against the Israelites that has been carried on down through the ages to such a point that Peter refers to it. Jude refers to it. John, under the Holy Spirit, Jesus refers to it in the letters to the churches. So there's something significant about Balaam. Yeah, there is. And now the, and, 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 and what happens in Jude, in Jude, we start to read that you have Balaam's error or Balaam's teachings. Yeah, right. Okay. Now, what I want, what I want the people on, on, in, in the podcast to go and do is, is to go and get, you, get your computer up, write out 2 Peter 2, 14 to 15, and then write out in the New King James Version, if you can, the NIV Version if you can, and then in the Amplified Version, if you can. And what you can start to do is you can start to to, to begin building a, 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 an idea of what this weapons platform looks like. So, for example, let me read out of the, out of the NIV. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable... They are experts in greed and accursed brood. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Bezir, who loved the wages of wickedness. Hmm. Now, if you begin just to think about that verse of Scripture and meditate on that verse of Scripture, you're going to draw out some incredible um, stuff. So, in your Bible or on, on, on your, your computer, underline the words, ask full of adultery. You don't want to underline it on the computer with no, like a no, pen or something. No, un- yeah, yeah, just a little... <laughs> highlight, underline. Yeah, highlight your underline. <laughs> they seduce the unstable. That's the next underline. They are experts in greed. Okay, and then follow the way of Balaam. Yeah. That's another one. 
just in that you can you can identify a person who practices the way of Balaam. Mm. Now that person might manifest in the New Age movement. And so when he manifests in the New Age movement, the camouflage that he uses will reflect the New Age movement. So, for example, he's, um, he, they, they seduce the unstable. Yeah, well... All right? Yep. They're experts in greed. Well, just to go back to like, seduce the unstable, mm. I mean, doesn't that just speak to every person who wanders, and I'm not meaning to deride anybody, but anyone who wanders into like a palm reading shop exactly. is there incredibly in search of something. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. seducing the unstable. Oh, we have all the answers here. Yeah. I mean, their hearts are trained in covetousness, lust and greed. They beguile and bait and lure away the unstable souls. That's the that's the amplified version. And so if you read 2 Peter 2, if you read Jude 11, you can start to, to, to build up a character description of a person who uses the weapon system of the teachings of Balaam. How would that look within the church? Within our Christian church, how does the error of Balaam manifest itself? Okay, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that? When we get to the letters of Jesus. Jesus is writing to the church... And there you find the way of Balaam in the church. Mm. Incredible. Yeah, it is incredible. <laughs> All right. What I want to do now is um, as, we, as we get further in, I'm going to start adding different names to the same doctrine. All right. Now, now um, it's interesting, and I'll bring it up later on, that, for example, you've got so many different names of different gods. Okay. The, the 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 thing is, if you trace it, if you trace those gods back to the flood, no, not the flood. Tower of Babel, mm-hmm. all right. Pre Tower of Babel, one language. Post Tower of Babel, many languages. Pre Tower of Babel, worshiping a false god, which in, which which was manifest in what was the guy's name then? Oh. You built the Tower of Babel. Just, my mind has gone blank. <laughs> oh, you did He's married to Seriamus. He's, he, he's married to his mother. Had a child. I knew that. Yeah. Had a child from his mother. He gets killed by some righteous men. I can't think of their names I don't now. even want to try and... And... Uh, I don't want to even try and guess because I'm going and to... Then, be... And then when the language is... Now, now, she creates this whole worship of this child now from this great hunter. There's his nickname, the hunter. He's a hunter of men. Oh, I remember reading oh. that. And then as the languages separate, the same name in different languages. And you can start train you can start tracing them into the same root. This is good for you for apologetics. Yeah. And so what I'm doing now is I'm applying different names to a, the same weapons platform. Okay. Um, so in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 14, you can you can see um, more of what they do in terms of the way the way of 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 um yep the way of i've forgotten another name now balaam Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. look you spent a lot of time with that other story of balaam you did really well all that was on recall yeah yeah and it's okay don't all worry. right let's go let's go to ephesus the church in ephesus well okay right? yeah sure revelation chapter two now can you imagine can you imagine Jesus Christ walking into your church and starting to speak to your church as a whole and he started to say, hey, um, there's some things I want to talk to you about. This is what you're doing that is really, really good. 
this is what you're doing that I really don't like. Yeah. But what if what if he comes into your church and says, hey, this is something I really hate that you're doing and you better sort yourself out. Yeah. Okay, this is what he does. This is actually what Jesus does to these churches. Now, if you study the book of Revelation, you can you can apply these types of churches to churches in any age. You can apply these types of churches to the ages of the church as we're going into leading up to end times. And so comes to Ephesus and and, and, and and he says, you know, you love to love the things I love and you hate the things that I hate. And I, I really I appreciate about you. I appreciate that intensity about you. I mean, if you love something with an intensity, you have a, you have the capacity to hate anything that will affect that thing that you, you love. love. Yeah, you know. So, um, you know, where where so so these heretics came into the church and they started to try and influence the life of the church, the message of the church, the atmosphere of the church, the ethos of the church. And so these Christians in Ephesus stood up against that and vehemently threw them out. Mm. In the process, obviously, we read that they they, they sort of disconnected. Mm. You know, and that that is the danger of a church that has to sort of fight for exi- for its existence a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You, you get you get a bit disconnected. Um, but what what these heretics? do here in the church and we meet them in the churches these 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 heretics were called the Nicolaitans we meet these guys in three churches with different camouflage <laughs> the same teaching yeah, in okay. three of the churches three of the seven churches of Asia Minor these guys were present alright each mm. had different camouflage each had different direction okay so let me now show you how I can connect the Nicolaitans to Balaam. Go right? for it, yeah. Now, the Nicolaitans comes from a guy called Nicholas. All right. Now, um, I'll tell you. I'll tell you where Nicholas comes from in a few seconds. But doesn't that name have a sort of a bad meaning? Not really, oh, Nicholas. Okay. Nicholas. You Sorry know. for any Nicholas. <laughs> but uh, Nicholas is, comes from two Greek words. One. To conquer, so Nicane, and then Laos, the people. All oh, right. All right. Okay. Balaam is Hebrew. Two words. To conquer, Bela, Hayim, the people. No way. Are you for real? <laughs> You're just making stuff up now. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. That's why when you finish your theological studies, I'm going to be putting you into studying languages for your apologetics i love that i love that i'm not a good language teacher i just go to books <laughs> okay so numbers 25 story israelites coming out of egypt king of the moabites goes to try and get balaam to curse them balaam can't curse them he refuses to curse them and eventually he gives advice to the king of moab and he gets these women to go in amongst israelites seduce them sexually and get them to worship Baal Peor um, and if that seduction wasn't curtailed and dealt with severely it would have destroyed Israel uh, as a nation mm. All right, that's how severe that corruption was and that's how severe God dealt with the stopping of that corruption that's in Numbers 25 then in Numbers 31 we find that this, this seduction of the Moabite woman going in is attributed to Balaam, evil, evil influence of Balaam. And so Balaam became 
linked with the most evil thing that you can do against the nation of Israel. Okay, this is what he did. Now, Nicholas, Nicholas's story, we, we, we apparently we first meet Nicholas in Acts chapter 6 in the church in Jerusalem. He was one of the deacons. Really? Yeah, listen to this. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Also, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch convert to Judaism. Huh. Right. So he, so from a pagan religion, he converted to Judaism. From Judaism, he got saved and got converted to Christianity. He was a deacon. Now, we don't know whether he initiated the teachings or we don't know whether his disciples initiated and turned the teachings off, uh, off, off onto the false, uh, false yeah, road. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Now... So irrespective of whether he went off the rails or whether his followers went off the rails, one of the key factors of their teaching is the misuse of the freedom that the grace of God gives us. Now I'll guarantee you can find that anywhere in the church today. A misuse of the grace and freedom that God gives us. I mean, our current history, I mean, we've been, we, as you know, and we've been teaching people about... Um, Wild at Heart. We've been using John Eldridge's material, Wild at Heart. We've been running boot camps. Yep. What are we up to? Our fourth boot camp that we're running ourselves. Third. Third, third boot camp. Yes. Third boot camp that we're going to be running ourselves. And and one of the things we had a massive explosion last year before our last boot camp, um, between two families, two of my leaders in the in the boot camp where adultery was committed, and one of the excuses. One of the excuses for committing adultery was the misuse of freedom that was taught yeah in the wild at heart message yeah um, a misuse of Galatians 5.1 freedom yeah so wherever you find now you, you remember you asked the question about how does this look like what does this look like in the church mm. a misuse of the freedom that Christ died to give us a misuse of the grace in other words running around saying I can do what I want because there's more than enough grace to to deal with that sin you do find that very prevalently mm. it's everywhere isn't it yeah <laughs> very sobering discussion this one <laughs> yeah it is alright um, this is this is a this is a teaching this, this aspect of the teaching affected all three of the churches in the book of Revelation. So what I want to say here is, and this is what you need to drum in and get and, and, and really get into you as the devil attacks you. The devil uses that five things I was talking to you about, all right? He, he, he has the same aim. He has the same method. He has the same target. And he has basically standard weapons platforms that have not changed all that changes is the packaging mm. okay so if it's <clears throat> if it's coming against a specific church the camouflage will blend in with the message of the church if it's coming against a specific christian the camouflage will blend in for what that christian needs at that point in time mm. and that's how the enemy works so so like i mean for example the letter to pergonum tells us that um, these people seduced the church in eating meat given to idols. Now you might think, well, what, what's the point of that? But we'll go into that and show you how dangerous it is. It is as dangerous there as it was sending the Moabite woman into the Israelites. Hmm. 
That's how dangerous it was. Mm. Okay, now, the first council, I'm giving you a bit of church history here. The first council that the church ever had was called the Council of Jerusalem. The big question facing the church was, should they accept Gentiles in the church? If so, what conditions do they are they allowed into the church? And the resulting conditions were just two. Two conditions. All right. So the whole church gathered together and said, the Gentiles are welcome, but they must just uphold two things. Okay. All right. Acts 15, 28 to 29. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food, sacrifice to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Those two things. Just those two things. And those two things permeate the doctrine of Balaam and its disguises. Those are the two things that that this doctrine comes in and hammers Mm. and works against. Okay? Um, The Nicolaitans... Basically, I don't know why they, they brought in this teaching. The law had ended, therefore there were no laws. The, you know, Christ had given them complete freedom. Um, but, but what happens oftentimes is people confuse the liberty that Jesus gives you for license to do things. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, I'm, you know, and, and so, you know, they, they'll, they'll run with this like, like, like what happened in, 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 our, in our history. Yeah. I am free, therefore I can have the adventure of pursuing another man's wife. You know? Bulldust. Yeah, that makes me angry even to you Think to about say it. it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Galatians 5.13 for, for you, brethren, were indeed called to freedom. Only do not let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh and an opportunity or exercise for selfishness. But through love, you should serve one another. It's right there, isn't it? It, it, it is blatant. It yeah. is blatantly there. And yet these people brought this doctrine in so that the risen Christ wrote through John and said, I have a problem with you. You're lying this doctrine into, the, into my church. Hmm. Okay. Now, they probably, I don't know, they probably argued that, oh, the body's evil anyway. Now, I can give you different t- names if I scratch back to when I was studying apologetics at, at college, that you will, you, will, you will confront these doctrines, you know, where, where you know, they believe that the body is evil anyway, so let the body do what it wants because that's, the spirit is safe. That's completely weird because even first one of the first things I learned as a Christian is that whole body is the temple of the Lord mm-hmm. thing. I don't... Yeah. It's distorting, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. And then also probably they, they, um, they argued that the grace of God is so great, you know. Um, what, what, what lay behind this teaching? Okay. The, in those days, in those days, and I'm, I'm going to try and let me, let me finish this. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. In, those, okay. in those days, what there needed to be a clear clear distinction between the pagan society and what they worshipped and the church as it emerged and was birthed out of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There had to be a distinction between us. And one of the words and one of the names for Christians was that they were different. 
you know, we, 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 we are in the world, but we're not of the world. Hmm. We're in the world. We rub shoulders with the world. We're not separate from the world, but our job is salt. Hmm. Our job is light. We have to make a difference because we are different. This doctrine smudged that line and said we don't have to be different. We can be Christian and we can enjoy. Yeah. Oh, man, that's interesting. The, 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 the heathen, the pagan, had no hesitation eating meat for idols. And I'm going to go into that a little bit more and explain about why that was. And they had no hesitation for any kind of illicit sexual practice at any social occasion. Okay? Um, outside of marriage, sex, hey, do what you want. Yeah, it feels good, do it. Absolutely. And, 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 the, and, and the Christian doctrine came in and said, no, there needs to be a difference. There needs to be a separation. And this, this teaching produced pressure on specific groups within the church that they grabbed hold of these teachings of the Nicolaitans. And they brought it within the church and they disguised, disguised it. They grabbed hold of the teaching of Balaam and they disguised it. Okay. Okay. So... The Nicolaitans were teaching that there's absolutely no reason why Christians should be different from the world. It's the, one of their core foundational teachings. Uh, Sir William Ramsey described this teaching as such. He said this, and I'm quoting, It was an attempt to effect a reasonable compromise with the established usages of the Greco-Roman society and to retain as many as possible of those usages in the Christian system of life. <laughs> All right, now, I want you to think about this. If the church had lost the battle against the Nicolaitans way back then, right, the Christianity that we would have today would be no different than the world. Hmm. So the church, you would be able to walk in the church, walk out the door of the church, and walk into any other system of the world. It's basically the same if they lost that battle. Hmm. How many churches are losing the battle to the Nicolaitans today? Yeah. All right? Yeah, right. Sobering. (laughs) Good talk, David. You've gone a bit over here, though, buddy. Yes, yes. Hope you guys, podcast listeners, don't mind, David. Sorry. No, it's it's okay. (laughs) It's important stuff to get through. Hey, it's important stuff to know. We'll leave it there, guys, and we'll wrap up quickly. Just visit www.life-house.net for any extra info and also more resources that we have to offer. Around that, we'll see you next week. Right, have a good week, guys. See ya.